the mistake that everybody tells you is that, oh, you need to have a diversified portfolio. Man, if you want to get rich, <laughs> you want to get rich, you you get really good at something, you go start a business, you invest everything, you move into that business if you have to, you take out millions of recourse debt, you make major sacrifices, you make a big bet on yourself, and guess what? If it works, you're, you know, where I'm at today. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that helps you escape the Wall Street casino and invest in real estate, build passive wealth and passive cash flow by investing in Main Street. Today, our guest is Ryan Naris. Ryan is a successful, financially independent mobile home park investor who didn't start out that way. He started out with nothing, and then he built that into an incredible amount of success and wealth. And then now he's at a point where he needs to make some some shifts to go from growing mode to preservation mode. And what we're learning about today are the mindsets that he's had over the years that enabled him to build that success. And then now the point where he has he's at where he's working on preserving, maintaining and shifting from that growth mode into maybe more of a, a preservation mode so that he can continue to enjoy the success that he's built. And these are both so important because if you're somebody that wants to build that fantastic wealth, like he has build that financial independence in a relatively short amount of time, you need to have your mind in the right place to enable you to do that, to put in the hard work, to see the opportunities, to seize on those opportunities. And then eventually you might get to the point where you decide that working 80 hours a week, hundred hours a week, isn't what you want to do. I mean, shoot, this is the passive wealth strategy show, right? We're here for that residual income. We want to make more money in less time. And if you want to do that, you need to have a different mindset than somebody who is going to be putting in that work. You're going to be looking for different opportunities, different strategies. So that's what it's all about today. He built fantastic financial independence through investing in mobile home parks. We talk about the mindsets that enabled him to do that. And then now he is kind of shifting his mode a little bit into preservation a little more passive, and we're learning about these shifts that he's making there as well. So fantastic lessons there. Uh, I love learning from young guys who are so successful and what they did, how they succeeded, what we can learn from them. There's so much in here. You're going to learn a lot. And it's a fun conversation too. He's a a very uh, energetic guy with a lot of uh, memorable things to say, if you will. So you're going to learn a lot. I know I did too. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you do enjoy the show, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, look us up, leave us a rating and review. Five stars, if you don't mind. That's so much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us grow in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And it helps me feel good because I get to see what you guys have to say, that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you do enjoy the show, no matter what kind of podcast app you look us up, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I want to thank you for tuning in today. You're going to learn a lot. I know I learned a lot from Ryan and I'm looking forward to talking with him again in the future. Without any further ado, here we go with Ryan Naris. Ryan, thank you for joining us today. 
Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. Sorry, you just said something funny before you hit record. So we got a little bit of giggles going. Well, I like to keep it light and uh, and friendly. Yeah. And we've been having a good time uh, connecting yeah. and, and talking here. For our listeners out there who don't know about you, what you do and what you invest in, can you tell us about your background and how you really got to where you are today with uh, mobile home park investing? Sure. So I, as of this recording, have bought 20 mobile home parks, roughly 1,800 pads. I've also invested passively in funds as well. So I am a GP and an LP, but I'm primarily a GP. In other words, I'm a general partner. I am the guy doing all the hard work. So sometimes I have to get in front of residents. That's what I'm going to literally do tomorrow. I'm actually going to go to one of my properties tomorrow and sleep at it. Why? Because I want to consume the product that I am selling. If I was selling juice, you better believe I'd be drinking that juice. (laughs) So in other words... It doesn't matter how successful or wealthy or whatever I get. I always want to be sure that I am literally consuming the product that I'm selling, which in this case is affordable housing. So I spend the night in the office and talk to residents face-to-face. And I taught myself Spanish so I can speak to folks who don't speak English face-to-face. Same story. So I take a very different approach than a lot of real estate investors in the regards that I didn't have any money. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't have any money six years ago when I started. I had no money. I had no network. I had no experience. I had no choice. But I learned early on that that doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why it doesn't matter. Because each deal kind of boils down to three things. If you'll imagine a three-legged stool, if you will, you have all three of these or you have none of these. First and foremost, you have a willing seller, somebody whose name is on the deed who will sign that over to you, sometimes a group of people. If you don't have that, you cannot buy a property. Number two, this person or group of people are going to want some money. So you either need cash in the form of equity or debt or both. And then number three, operations. Like my friend Coleman likes to say, everybody wants to talk about and participate in making the baby. And then people start disappearing when you start to have to raise the baby. In other words, you can't just buy a property, pop champagne, and that's that. No, you are now ha- you now have to execute a business plan. You now have to have boots on the ground. And so if you don't have all of those three things, you have nothing. And what I realized is I have sales experience. I can build a network. I can go out and cold call and meet people and yada, 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 convince people I'm the one to sell to. That's one of the three legs. I am due compensation for that. And number two, why can't I go and literally move to a property, quit my job and move to a property and be my own property manager? And that's exactly what I did, Taylor. Wow. I literally moved into a mobile home park. I lived there every other week for 14 months. And then I moved into another one. So for the better part of a year and a half, I lived in mobile home parks. And I still do it today. Although I don't for formally reside in one, I literally still go and consume the same product. So basically what I realized is if I didn't have any money or any of this stuff, there's still ways I can utilize other people's money and I can still find ways to monetize what I do. So I don't have to be making somebody else rich working in corporate America. So, uh, all of that took literally years. I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2012. It made me, re- and Four Hour Workweek, made me realize I was meant to be an entrepreneur and probably something in real estate. It took me then three years to find mobile home parks. So 2015 is when Ian, my business partner, and I got together. And then it took another two years to go full-time. 
So that was 2017. And even then, it was living in a mobile home park. So I wasn't actually truly bona fide at home until about 2019. And as of this recording, it's middle of 2021. So you're talking about two and a half years ago, I really truly was home. And even then, I was only paying myself $35,000 a year. So like, if you hear all this, you're like, well, this is cool. This is sexy. This is a wonderful rags to riches type story. It's, you know, not easy and not sexy. And it hasn't been until really the last 12 months where I've actually had money to kind of maybe do something like, you know, get a newer car because my car is 11 years old. So maybe I can now upgrade a little bit because uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of buying cars. I think they're depreciating assets. But anyways, now I can kind of spend money on stuff now and it, I don't have to sacrifice as much, but I used to tailor, I used to, every dollar I made, I'd pump it back into my company. And I still, I post on LinkedIn once a year, how much of my money of the previous year I made that I reinvested and it's almost all of it. So wow. for the longest time, I've basically just said, you know what, I'm going to eat. I'm going to enjoy myself every now and again, you know, go out to a Panthers game. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. Um, but beyond that, I'm not going to go buy new clothes I don't need or new cars that I don't need. I don't need to go and do anything crazy because I want to grow a business. And once it's grown, then I can start enjoying it. So that's where I'm at today. It's not fast. I don't want your <laughs> listeners to hear my story and be like, oh, well, it'll be like two years. No, it's more like 10 like Gary Vaynerchuk says, it's a long time and a lot of sacrifice. Wow. Well, I, I love all of that. And and thank you for, for catching us up. And I really respect that how much of the reinvestment that you did in your, your business and reinvesting um, in yourself. I'd like oh, yeah. to learn more about what that really meant in a, a nuts and bolts sense for, you know, how are you reinvesting? Sure. Is it hiring people? Is it buying assets for your businesses? What did that actually mean in terms of the actions that you took? So that's a great question. I wanted to actually give you some lifetime numbers. So in 2016, when I had just started, really bought my first mobile home park, which was at the tail end of the year, 37% of my income was reinvested. 2017 was 52%, 2018, 73, 2019, 50. Um, and now we're sitting at about 61%. So as of last year, so I haven't done 2021. So in other words, and that's by the way, um, it's not including everything. So that's, <laughs> those numbers are actually low. So I would say if you look at it across several years, let's take an average, an average about 50% on the low end, that's, those numbers realistically are a lot higher. And the reason why is because a lot of that calculation that I've done right there, that's just taxable income. That doesn't include a lot of business income that I have that never makes it to my taxes because I've turned around and used them as tax shields or I've taken depreciation or this, that, or the other thing. So I'm realistically reinvesting over 75% of what I've made. And to your point, what is that? Where is that going to? It's going to a lot of different places. First and foremost, more properties. More properties. Every every dollar you invest properly is a, a is you are buying your freedom. You are buying your time either in retirement or escaping from corporate America. So first and foremost, growing the business and in, in my business that's buying more property, hiring employees. Absolutely, absolutely want to hire employees. You want to outsource smart. What I've learned about myself as a manager is I've got a lot of work to do to become a, a better manager. I need to make sure I'm delegating and following up better with what I delegate. And one thing that I've kind of learned is 
sometimes I tend to come up with good ideas and put it on my employees and then don't follow up and then it doesn't get done. And then I'm like, why didn't this get done? Dude, you got to follow up. Right. So in other words, you need to outsource and delegate appropriately and you need to be checking on yourself more than I have. So that's, you know, a thing that I'm, I'm trying to get better at beyond that systems. Oh my gosh. Automation. Welcome to the future, Taylor. There's so many, there's so many things you can, you can literally have a robot do for you. So many things from e-signing documents to mass texting of folks who are late on their rent or have rule violations or I, the list goes on. I've got about 90% of my accounting automated and auto paid. So in other words, when you look at what, you know, I take, I reconcile all of, all of our properties on the first of every month that I'm done within a business day and every penny I've seen where every penny has gone within literally a business day. And I do that on purpose because I want to see my company breathing and where the money is going. And yeah, I obviously don't want anyone to embezzle, but like all of the work of an accountant is gone to something that's literally a robot is doing and will not make an error, you know, especially with me double checking behind it. So in other words, there are ways that you can invest in infrastructure, not just technology, people too. And beyond that, if you're, you know, literally, so I am by building a portfolio, I'm literally using leverage to buy out existing companies. I am literally doing leveraged buyouts. So in other words, my most valuable asset is my own capital. It is the cheapest capital and it is going to give me the most multiplier on my net worth is investing my own capital into quite literally buying businesses. So you can call them properties. I call them businesses. I am literally investing in new businesses. So there's a lot of cool things you can do with taxes. Make sure you get a good CPA, make sure you blow them up, pay them every penny they are worth. They will help you optimize your dollar, uh, structure your LLCs and, and stuff properly, find ways you can depreciate and capitalize and find ways that our government, the United States of America is actually set up to help you. Hey, what is the best thing about being uh, in the United States of America beyond freedom? It's the fact that you can pursue your own wealth and happiness and no better way than to start your own company. And look at all the wonderful things Uncle Sam has done to help you get there. It is worth your time to have a good CPA and understanding taxes. And, and again, every dollar that you invest in, in your company is uh, you are buying your freedom. Do you want direct access to passive commercial real estate investments, including apartments, self-storage, medical facilities, hotels, and even more? CrowdStreet has you covered. They provide access to a wide variety of commercial real estate syndications for accredited investors. Over 520 deals have been closed through the platform, and investors have placed over $2.1 billion, that's billion with a B, in those deals. Go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the CrowdStreet platform for full terms and conditions of what they offer. Once again, that's PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started. Nice. I really like that. And I think this, this episode for me, as I'm, you know, as we're having this conversation, there are a few other things I want to talk with you about seems to be, you know, taking the shape of a lot of these mindset, uh, maybe shifts or, or aspects that you have that have led you to this, uh, position of independence through real estate investing. And, you know, another one I want to make sure that we touch on is we were talking before we started recording where you're kind of in a mode where, 
you've acquired all this real estate, you've kind of gotten to a point where there's been a shift from, or, or there is an ongoing shift right now from growth to maybe preservation, thinking more about preservation and maybe adapting your strategy to your current situation where you know folks that are in the growth and acquisition and uh, a stage might not realize that if they're successful, one day their priority is probably going to shift from growth to just keeping what I have. I'm going to still try to you know, grow it, but growth isn't my number one focus. I don't want to lose what I've gotten. Can we talk about that a bit and, and learn how you know that shift you're you're going through, what your thought process is and you know how that's impacting you? Because you know, you're 34. That's an early age to be thinking about how can I preserve my capital rather than I, oh man, I got to grow this by, by the time I'm 65 so I can retire. So tell us about that. Great. Look, great question. And before we hit record, another great thing that we talked about was why are you listening to other people who don't have what you want, apply pressure and tell you what, what you should be doing. Totally. And we talked about that beforehand and it's a bit of a ta- tangent, but what do those people say? Well, those people say max out your 401k, invest in low cost index funds and invest in the stock market, bonds, yada, 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 mutual funds, yada, yada, yada. So I did the whole series seven thing, which was one of the worst exams I've ever taken. Glad I passed it the first time. But what I learned through that whole experience of understanding securities and all that jazz is that that is all capital preservation. What does that mean? Well, traditionally, the stock market will pay you a 7% clip. So you find a low cost index fund that's less than a percent in their fees, call it 0.25 or less. And you bet on the S&P 500, which is probably going to do nothing but go up. Well, if you're making 7% year over year, that's you can put money in it and it looks phenomenal. It's going to explode in its growth in decades. <laughs> that, does, <laughs> that does not help me now. Nope. So in other words, what is that? If you're reasonably confident the market is going to do nothing but go up, then that's a wonderful place to put your money. But 7% isn't going to make you rich tomorrow. That is a capital preservation play. In other words, you've got this wealth, you're putting it there, you're going to let it grow slowly. You know it's going to do nothing but go up. So it's not overly risky, relatively speaking. That is more of a preservation play. A multiplication play is what I realized kind of intuitively uh, at first. And then in time, I could kind of quantify that. Well, I didn't have any money starting out. I had more student loan debt than I had cash to invest. And I the cash that I had to invest was so pathetically small. I, I didn't even put any money in my first deal because I I effectively had, I didn't even have closing costs. So there's nothing to put in the deal. So in other words, I had no choice but to multiply my capital because you can't multiply nothing. <laughs> like that's not how life works. Anything times zero is zero. So in other words, what I had to what I had to do out of necessity out of the gate was I had to multiply my capital. And on the one hand, I wish I was a trust fund kid. So I would have had all this money to play with so I could be way richer. But on the other hand, I'm like, no, dude, if I had all that money starting out, I probably would have done what everybody else does, which is try to preserve their capital, try to get a plus or minus seven percent return rather than trying to say, let's make this double, triple, quadruple, 10x what I have. And that out of necessity is what got me where I'm at today. So in other words, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine from Wells Fargo, where I used to work. 
great institution, wonderful place to work. He left. I also left to start my own company. And we both think back to those days. And I was having a conversation with him and he was like, what do you think about mobile home parks? Is it too late to get involved? And I was like, dude, not at all. There's, yeah, it's overheated, but it just depends what you want. And there's a lot of preservation plays within even mobile home parks, like what I do and apartments and everything. And in other words, if you're laser focused on the in-place cap rate, you may miss the multiplication opportunity, which is for me, heavy value add properties. I want stuff ain't nobody else bidding on because it's atrocious. But I know my skills, what I can and can't do. I literally lived in a mobile home park. I literally was my own own property manager because I wanted to learn how to do it so that I could go and teach and manage and build systems from the front lines. And I'm going to literally live it and breathe it. And this is what I'm going to do. And what I was able to do from there is then go, you know what? You know where the opportunity is? Is in stuff nobody else wants to buy. I'm going to go and buy it. I got this fancy MBA. I spent way too much money on it. You know what that should do for me? If it's a legit investment, I should be able to then go and sell other MBAs on why they should buy my properties or refinance my properties. So in other words, I go in, I buy what no one else wants. No one's going to touch because it's a mess, a mess, crime, drugs, stuff falling apart, faulty infrastructure, the works. But I want it in primo markets, Charlotte, Atlanta, Asheville, Knoxville, big cities that you've heard of in good locations in those big cities that ain't nobody want to touch. And then when I make it pretty, when I deliver a fantastic product to the folks living there, clean it up, preserve and enhance that affordable housing, then one day I can go to a bank and go, look at who look at who I am. I've got my MBA. I've made this pretty. Here's what it looked like. Here's what it is. Here's yada, yada, yada. Now I can get a, a bank loan and keep it. Or one day I can hand it off to a bigger, fancier group who can who's private equity, who have raised a bunch of capital preservation type investor dollars who can then have a good stable property they can continue to dump capital into and, and get good returns. So in other words, where you and I were talking about before, the mistake that everybody tells you is that, oh, you need to have a diversified portfolio. Not if you want to get rich. <laughs> you want to get rich. You you get really good at something. You go start a business. You invest everything. You move into that business if you have to. You take out millions of recourse debt. You make major sacrifices. You make a big bet on yourself. And guess what? If it works, you're you know where I'm at today. And if it fails, guess what? You can just go back and get another job. You know I paid a way too much for my MBA. If it worked, it should be make me employable. So in other words, you know, what you and I were saying before we hit record is you have to you have to ask yourself what do you want because ain't nobody getting rich on a 7% clip unless you already have millions of dollars. If you have a million bucks and you're making 7% a year, that's 70 grand a year. That's not bad. If you have if you have a thousand dollars, that's you're making nothing. You're making 70 bucks a year. That's a waste of your time. So in other words, you need to start, you need to say, how much money do I have? Do I need to preserve this or do I need to multiply it? And to be quite frank, if you want to get rich and you have less than 500 grand liquid cash, you need to multiply. You need to multiply. Again, if you want to get rich, if you don't want to get rich, there's nothing wrong with dumping it in the stock market and waiting for years and years and years. But the interesting thing, Taylor, in all of this is um, for the last several years, I've been so gung-ho on multiplication that now my wife and I are like, well, we're kind of at the point where we're like, do we really want to take on all this risk and make all the sacrifice and do all this work when like, what's a, what's, what's another million bucks? Like another zero is great. <laughs> is that going to give me more time with my son? 
No, because I'm working all the time. So like at a certain point in time, you do have enough cash where you're like, all right, now I really need to preserve this. And so that's where I'm at now. Whereas I'm I'm kind of slowly looking for ways to preserve it. So I found two passive investments within my space with operators I know very well and I trust. Boom, park some money in both. And over the next, I don't know, two to five to 10 years, I'm going to slowly transition away from being the guy boots on the ground, sleeping at the properties, doing everything to the guy who's more advising at best. And then I'll maybe reinvent myself and do something else. But yeah, if you're listening in and you have a corporate job and you want to escape, you do not need to be investing in the stock market. You need to be building a skill of starting a business and making serious bets on yourself. And if not, that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with making a good, consistent 7% clip. Do the math yourself. Compounding interest is a heck of a thing. You'll make a lot of money in the long run. It's just not going to make you rich tomorrow. Wow. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that a lot. You know, you mentioned studying for the the Series Seven, and I've had some experience studying for some of those exams uh, myself. And it's interesting to see. You know, none of that information incorporates you know what we know to be true as real estate investors, where we can create considerable value. It's really comparing. Oh, what can an option do for you in this particular situation? Or you know, what's an index fund versus a uh, you know a buying a bond or something like that. But at the end of the day, you're not talking about big percentages in terms of your return as a retail investor in the stock market. It's just not what these things produce and it's not what the system is is set up to build. And I think there's there's just more opportunity to do that multiplication as a as a real estate investor who's really kind of getting down into the the details of the investments. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Well, it's it's great to hear you uh, bring that out to us, and you know I think there are so many, like I said, misconceptions out there about what what real estate can do for folks. And right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own, and the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called GroundFloor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Ryan, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The best investment I ever made was probably Countryside Mobile Home Park 
It's in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I got to tell you, we turned that entire property. We had to sleep at that property. My business partner, Ian, and I, we brought in new homes. We got our dealer's license, our manufactured housing dealer's license. We had crime. We had one of my friends was the assistant district attorney. She was like, oh, I know that place. <laughs> I'm like, that's probably not who you want saying they, they are aware of, of your property. It is completely different nowadays, now, today. And it's worth a multiple of what I bought it for. So in other words, we brought in, we, we got out of a, a criminal element. We brought in some amazing families, some families that I know on a first name basis because I love going and spending time with them. And it is just phenomenal seeing what value we're able to provide and preserve that affordable housing. And everybody wins. The residents won. The property is better. The investors win. I win. I'm so proud of that property for so many reasons. And our first college scholarship, acceptee, was at that property too. So we started a partial college scholarship for our residents. And the first person that said yes was at that property. And that I will never forget. So from in every sense of the word, that was my best investment. And it's beyond just that it's worth a multiple of what I bought it for. It's because, because I don't really want to sell it. So it's like, okay, cool. I can refinance it for a higher amount and dump more money into it if I need to, or do whatever we got to do, buy more. And to me, when I look at what is your best investment that you've ever made beyond yourself and your education, it's it's got to be something where not only did everybody win, but it was really hard in the process and it was worth it at the end. Nice. And that is not a that is not a turnkey investment that is really getting in there and doing the dirty work. Yeah. And I got to say too, real quick, before I move on to the next question, that a lot of people, at least it's tapered off now because it's been going almost four years now since we bought it. A lot of people right after I bought it, right after we really turned it around, were like, wow, you bought Countryside. I could have bought that and I could have <laughs> bought it for less than you did. Yeah. But I was like, this is one of those deals that was was at a major brokerage firm and then a minor brokerage firm and then like the little wholesalers here and there. I mean, everybody saw it. Everybody had a look at it. And when I saw it, I was like, why is everybody passing on this? And I'll tell you why. It's because I lived in a mobile home park. I know what works, what doesn't. And when there's a really beat up, ugly house, if you will, and I can go in and say, that's got a good foundation. That's exactly what happened. I said, it's got a good foundation. It's going to be a lot of work, but guess what? I'm going to make this happen because I know that I can do this. I know my skills and what I can and can't do. And I, that's another reason why I'm so proud of that pro property because I still, to this day, get people who are like, God, I could have bought that. It's like, yeah, well, guess what? You didn't. So you got to take a risk. Burn. Burned. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin. I have a guess as to what your answer might be for this one. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll see. What is the worst investment you ever made? Oh, man. Listen, and not education. It can be that can be whatever. So I'm tempted to say going to university, getting a master's degree. But the truth of the matter is I met so many great people and learned so many great lessons. And I feel like university, a big part of that is learning who you are. Sure. Yeah. Right. So totally. learning who you are is so important in this process, because if you don't love what you do, you're going to quit. It is a matter of time. There's nothing you can do that will pay you enough to keep you interested enough for long enough to give you that longevity. So university to me, both undergrad and master's was so worth it beyond just what you learn books, the book knowledge you learn and the people you meet. It's also 
who you discover who you are in that process. Worst investment I've ever made, you know, probably buying precious metal stock. That was really <laughs> stupid because I was like, oh, this is a great hedge against inflation. No, it wasn't. But the good news is, you know, <laughs> the good news is I think I only invested like three grand in it and it went down to less than a grand when I, ca- I think I cashed out at less than a grand. It was uh, <laughs> not pleasant to see that I basically had a colossal haircut on my investment. And that was way back. That was like 10 years ago. So three grand was a lot to me back then to to only get back like a thousand, give or take. So, you know, in terms of real estate, what was my worst investment ever? I maybe the first home I ever bought because I wanted to house hack and I moved into my best friends at the time and found out they were not my best friends because they had no interest in paying me and I was a horrible landlord. I didn't have a lease. I didn't know how to enforce any rules and yada, yada, yada. And neither of them talked to me anymore. That's really sad. All because I'm pretty confident they just are too embarrassed because they didn't pay me and it didn't end happily. So in terms of bad investments in real estate, now I, I didn't like lose my shirt on that house. It wasn't a bad financial investment, but it, you know, you lose two of your close buddies. You get your face kicked in in terms... That's one reason, by the way, we were talking before we hit record about when you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and when you started in real estate. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and I tried to house hack and then I lost Uh, and I stopped mm -hmm. looking at real estate because I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. No, you just did it wrong. (laughs) So, yeah. Totally. I mean, the house hack is held up as a great way to invest in real estate and I don't disagree with that. It's great for some people, but I know for me... That is in no way anywhere near what I want to do. So I never did that. And I stand behind that decision. My favorite question here at the end of the show is, what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? It's the least sexy and everybody rolls their eyes when I say it. And I've got to say, when you roll your eyes and you go, no, I don't, that doesn't apply to me. Those are some of the best lessons that you'll ever learn. I have already said it. I am just reiterating the best lesson that I have that I've learned that's going to go on my tombstone one day is know yourself. The more you can learn about who you are, what you like, what you don't like, what your comfort zone is, where your comfort zone could be, where your comfort zone is never going to go, the more you understand about who you are, what you like, what you don't like, what you'll grow to like, what you'll grow to hate, the more you know that, the faster you can marry that to an opportunity that can, like Jim Collins says in Good to Great, marry three things. First and foremost, your passion with something lucrative that you can be the best in the world at. Let me give you a good for example. I told you earlier, I read Rich Dad and Poor Dad in 2012. I didn't get started in mobile home parks until 2015. Then it took two years, two hard years to even get full time. And then basically two more years after that and change to even get home. And then when I was even at home, I was being paid next to nothing. Yeah, listen. That was really difficult. But like Jim Collins said, I was really passionate about it. I had spent years and years and years learning who I am, who I was. And then when I found that opportunity, I said, this is it because I know myself so well that I don't have to chase down something that's not that sounds sexy. That's not really me. And number two, is it lucrative? Yes. Value add real estate beyond mobile home parks. There's tons of value add real estate. There's rich people all over the place who have bought value add real estate in all sorts of different sectors and made a fortune. And then can you be the best in the world at it? Well, 
I don't know if I'm the best in the world at it. I know there's not a lot of people in my space. My podcast, Mobile Home Parks in Real Life, is the only operator's mobile home park podcast. And I've got to say, I get people reaching out to me all the time with questions. I would like to think I'm reasonably well-respected in my space. And it's important to, to be to at least feel like you're a bigger fish in a, in a big pond. And I've got to say, if you're listening to my story I looked at over a hundred businesses to start in that three year span from 2012 to 2015. I started three businesses and I quit all of them. Some of them, I even lost a little bit of money. Why? Because I found something that sounded sexy or lucrative or this, that, and the other thing. And ultimately I realized it wasn't for me. So I am not that smart. I am not that hardworking. Seriously. It's like six o'clock almost. I am done working for the day. I'm not going to be working anymore. Most days I'm done by five or six. I don't break my back. Now, um, that being said, I do work hard, but I'm not like super successful because I'm like Michael Jordan always working, right? So in other words, if I'm not that smart and I'm not that hardworking, what is my secret? My secret is I know who I am. And I, my, I straight from the playbook of Gary Vaynerchuk. How, what's the key to staying consistent? Finding something that you would basically do for free because you love it so much. And if it takes you literally years, years to find that, guess what? So did I. <laughs> and you can too. And don't rush into anything. It's like dating, man. Like if I have a wonderful marriage. I love my wife so much. I'm so happy being married. I've been with her for almost 10 years and I, I just love it. I mean, I don't have any drama. It is amazing. And I, if you had told me when I went through heartache after heartache, trying to find the right woman, do you want to just rush into something that feels right? Or do you want to wait to find the right person? Oh my gosh, you wait to find the right person. And then everything else is is it just sorts itself out. So I'll say the same thing about business. Know yourself, people. Seriously, don't roll your eyes at me. You're only costing yourself. Go and learn who you are. Take years. And then when that opportunity hits, like that Chinese proverb, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time to start is today. So if you're hearing this and you hate your job and you want to quit and you want to be rich and you want all of these things, well, guess what? It's better to be patient and to chip away at it slowly because it'll snowball out of control. It's like a hockey stick. It goes whoop. But this like plateau at the beginning it takes forever. So the only way you get the hockey stick is when you finally pick the right thing by knowing yourself. So awesome. Well, I love all of that. I love all of that so much. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, for personal reasons, I, I feel I relate to that in particular uh, more recently. And Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Bring us all these awesome lessons and congratulations for all your success so far and all your continued Thanks. success in the future. If folks want to reach out, if they want to find you, you mentioned you have a podcast or your website or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yes. Yeah, so like my favorite rapper, Tupac used to say, I ain't hard to find. So I'm the only Ryan Neris in the world that I am aware of. If you Google me, my LinkedIn, my website are like the first things to show up. I'm an open door. I don't care if you're broke with nothing to offer or the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I want to talk to you. I want to help you. I don't need anything from you. I don't care. I genuinely speaking love helping people. And I want to make this world a better place because I was in it. So in other words, reach out to me, please. I literally want to talk to you and I don't need anything from you. So my podcast is called Mobile Home Parks in Real Life. I stress the in real life portion. If you want a very blunt take on what mobile home parks 
can be and what it will never be. And you don't want to be sold things in the process. Listen to my podcast. I am not selling a training course. I am not raising funds. I am not a broker trying to get you to list your property with me or sell properties to you. I am literally just that angry guy on the corner. who's <laughs> like, why is no one buying my vegetables? You know, the vegetables are what you need, not the, the candy bars over there. That's my podcast. So I am here. I want to meet you. I want to help you. You're inspired by my words and my stories. Guess what? I can connect you with people. I can give you advice and you don't owe me anything. And if you want to listen to my crazy voice, I have tons of podcast episodes. Would love you to listen, even if you're not interested in mobile home parks. There's some pretty awesome stuff there. So thanks for having me, Taylor. It was awesome being on. I'm so honored that you found me and and brought me on. It's, it's, It's awesome being here. Uh, it's been my great pleasure. I've, I've learned a lot today and both from our conversation before we hit record and then here as we're recording. And uh, thank you for joining us to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. That's very much appreciated. That, that helps other people learn about the show. And it helps me feel good because I get to see that you guys are out there escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day. and We'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.